I believe this morning the Holy Spirit wants to work with us straight away. I normally do this at the end of a meeting, but I believe that across the church community, we have many of us who are sick or poorly, and I want to invite the Holy Spirit to bring healing now. Um, Sometimes you're healed straight away. Sometimes it can take a few hours, a few weeks. But we come to a generous God who loves us and gives us good things. So I want to invite you to stand. And if you are <coughs> needing prayer for healing, it's a very simple prayer. But what I'd like you to do is, if it's, if it's appropriate, if you feel comfortable, put a hand just on the place that you want God to touch you. Uh, at the minute, I've I'm kind of had a bit of a cough, so my hand's going there. <coughs> and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and touch us now. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We thank you that you are so present. We thank you we've enjoyed worshipping. You've helped us worship this morning. You've empowered us this morning. And you see everybody here who is reaching out to you for a touch of healing. And we speak that healing in the name of Jesus over everyone. We speak for pain to go in the name of Jesus. We speak for inflammation to be reduced. We speak for nerves. We speak to hormones to work properly and at the right balance in people's lives, in people's bodies. We speak for colds and flu, for COVID to go in the name of Jesus. And we step in and as a step of faith towards you now, we come to you and we ask Holy Spirit to heal in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So, as we go through this morning, I always get people to do see, do have to see, I get people to kind of check what they're feeling that, that God has done in healing. So it might be that as we go through this morning, it might be you felt the presence of God as we were praying there. But even as I'm speaking this morning for 30 minutes. <clears throat> Glory. Thank you. You're a bit slow then. <clears throat> It might be that by the end of this, you think, oh, gosh, that's feel a bit different now. I've, I had, I had uh, COVID a few weeks ago, and I was feeling <coughs> fatigued from that. Uh, last week at our Emmanuel community group, I got uh, the guys to pray for me there. And since that, that time of prayer, I felt much stronger. I felt fatigue going. There's COVID fatigue that can happen. Um, the prayer, the faith, and the Holy Spirit coming uh, that's bring healing to my body. Hallelujah! You are quiet lot this morning, aren't you? I <clears throat> got you dancing this morning a little bit. Um, I want to start. This, well, I suppose I've started, but I want to um, start by declaring something that I don't think I often say out loud, and I really felt prompted to do this. And I want to declare and make this statement that I love Jesus. It's a statement that is assumed. It's a statement that I, I hope, I hope my lifestyle demonstrates. But it's something, this love I have for Jesus has been freshly rekindled in me over these last few months. And there, I'm going to sense this sort of season of growth. We all go through seasons in life. Sense this season of growth of coming to Jesus himself. 
of knowing his comfort in a much stronger way, knowing his presence in a much stronger way. And they read that, I've done things to help that happen, which I'll explain a bit later on. But freshly feeling his love, freshly knowing he will never leave me. He is a faithful friend. He is overflowing with compassion for you. Overflowing with compassion. He's an ever-present help. He knows me. He's all-powerful and more besides. You will never turn to Jesus and find his face turned away from you. His gaze is upon you all the time. And I want us this morning to have time with Jesus. I want us to hear and to live in his words, to sense his presence, to be freshly captured by his love for us, for him to melt our hearts and give us courage. Scarlett, would you like that? Great. And I love being part of a community here that encourages me and propels me into those things as well. So it's not me speaking, it's the whole community here are wanting that. We are here for each other's success. And I want us to hear the words of Jesus spoken directly to us this morning. And it's part of the Sermon of the Mount. Tackling an issue which is so prevalent in our world today, and that is the issue of worry. And I did speak on, I've spoken on worry and anxiety before just after COVID, but it's something that is such an issue for us as a community and for the world. So you want to turn to Matthew 6. I'm going to read this out and then we can look at it in a bit more detail. So Matthew 6 verses 25 to 34. These are the words of Jesus. I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, That not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, they run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, Jesus. To allow those, his words to minister. I'm going to spend a few minutes just to expand some of that. 
But it's his words I want you to hear. His words of compassion, his words of understanding, his words of drawing you into what he has for us. I just want to summarise first this well-known, wonderful, poetic passage before looking in more depth. And the, the summary is, worry is pointless because we can trust God. Jesus uses the birds and the flowers as examples for us, and they're things that we'll see all, all through our days. And he's saying that our trust is well-placed. Our trust in God is secure, which we've reflected on as we worshipped already this morning. And Jesus is speaking at a time where there was much more uncertainty about death and life than we have today. Now, I don't want to play down or minimise the issues that face us, but in Jesus' day, infant mortality rate was high. They estimate it to be about 50% infant mortality. Life expectancy was low. The average age was 50. If you survive childhood, you might make it into your 60s. Sickness and famine were ever-present threats. As Jesus was speaking to them, they had a lot to worry about. So let's start with verse 25. Verse starts out with this, do not worry, which is repeated three times through this passage. I don't know if you picked that up as I was speaking it out. And this phrase, don't worry, can really go down well sometimes, can't it? You can come to your friend And you can share your deepest concerns and they just turn around to you and say, well, don't worry. And you're like, well, you're not listening. (laughs) You've misunderstood me. Of course I'm worrying. And do you also find that if someone does share something with you, you you, you can try and be empathetic, you can try and be sympathetic to them as they're sharing their worries. But it's you that walks away from that at the end of the day. It's something we have to carry ourselves. It always seems that my worries are much more important than anyone else's worries. Much more serious than anyone else's. But that's just how our fallen natures think. Now, sharing does help. Counsel can be given. Prayers can be offered up. But a simple don't worry is not always that helpful on the surface. But let's see how Jesus backs up his phrase to us of don't worry He first sets out two areas that people worry about, the life and the body. And to life, he assigns food, what we eat and drink, and to our body, he looks about clothing, what we wear. Now, food and clothing are are perhaps more basic concerns than we would generally be having in our lives. Now, there are a whole load of things that might cause us anxiety. And I don't wish to show off, but... I did use artificial intelligence this week. I used ChatGPT to tell me what anxieties there were in the UK in this, in this decade. I'm not sharing them because it's a depressing list. <laughs> I want to build faith into us. But there are lots of concerns, lots of worries we have And Jesus focuses here on life and body. The first thing is to get a right focus on Jesus. Get our eyes onto him, not the concerns that we have. 
26, he then draws on his first example addressing food, and he looks at the birds of the air. And he argues from these smaller things around us, the birds of the air, that we see, that we observe all the time, and he applies what we see from that into our own lives, the bigger things. And he says, well, the, the birds don't engage in any agricultural practice, yet they don't starve. Neither are they idle. They still have to work, and God looks after them. They're supplied by God. Now, we aren't called to imitate the birds, but rather to observe God's providential care for them. He's looking after them. And it ends with this wonderful rhetorical question, are you not more valuable than the birds? So if we see how God is treating this smaller thing, how much more valuable are we to him and how he will look after us? And he follows that with another question, tackles the issue from another angle and reveals the waste of time and energy that worry can generate. It won't add a single hour to your life. And this really hit me as I studied this passage. You could worry all you want, but it won't add another, another hour to your life. Now in your Bibles, hopefully you may have a footnote in there that mentions adding a single cubit to your height. Now some people may worry about adding a cubit to their height. I must confess it's not been one that I have struggled with. (laughs) But it's sobering. Worry does not do anything productive. It absorbs our time. We don't add an hour to our life. We lose an hour if we've been worrying for an hour. It's totally unproductive. It doesn't produce anything. It is a waste of time to worry. Just have that in your mind. Next time you find yourself going down that track of worry... You can't add another hour to your life. It's unproductive. I'm I'm preaching to myself here. (laughs) So what is the point of worrying? The second example that Jesus used from nature, dressing clothing, is the flowers of the field. The wild flowers, the colourful flowers that are growing naturally around them. And I can almost imagine Jesus, when he talked about it, kind of plucking a flower up and holding up to people. That would have been a great visual aid this morning, wouldn't it, if I thought of it earlier. There we go. But even one of them, for it's not just a field of flowers, he says that one of them, take one of them, and he says that is more splendidly attired than Solomon, who was viewed as the richest, the wisest king from their Old Testament history. This time of year, there's not so many flowers about, but if you get a chance to grab a flower and actually look at the flower, look inside deeply, examine. Now, and I don't want to get this into a biology lesson, but there are things of beauty, flowers. And that's just what we see with our visual 
with our, 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 the white light that we have. They, they've, scientists have discovered that UV light, if you look at a, a flower under UV light, it's got a different pattern to it so that the bees who use UV light can find the nectar. Wow! How cool is that? God has clothed the flowers of the field. We can trust him to clothe us. And he argues um, that these, these flowers that are amazing and beautiful and a work of art, what happens to them? They get chucked away. They're burnt up. Another rhetorical question, how much God cares for you far more than the flowers? You of little faith. Where is your faith? Don't you get it? You have a God who loves you more than flowers, more than birds, and you can trust in him. Your trust in him is well placed because he cares for you. So there's a comfort in seeing the flowers in the field. Remember his words to to us. There's also this challenge. Worry implies, if you are worrying, you are implying that there's no God who cares for you. It's all down to you. That's what worry does. It's all my problems. I've got to work it out. I've got to think it through. Martin Luther, the famous... The famous German 16th century reformer, just in case you didn't know who he was, uh, Martin Luther was consumed with worry on one occasion. And he he had a lifetime of worry. He had some major worries of his own, I suppose, like the Reformation. Um, But his wife, Kate, was a very wise woman. And uh, Luther went through a phase where he was particularly depressed and anxious and worried about something at a certain place, place of his life. So Kate went upstairs, and she put on her black dress, the dress that she would use in mourning. And she walked about the house in her black dress. And Luther's looking at this, saying, what's, what's going on? Are you, are you going to a funeral? What's happened? What's died? Who's died? And she looked at him and said, Martin... Have you not heard? God is dead. She was emphasizing to him that he was worrying about himself. God clearly has not died, but he was acting as if God had died. He was thinking, I'm all on my own. I'm struggling with these issues. I've got to break through. And she used this black dress to bring him to his senses, to make him realign himself, to trust in God again. Verse 31, almost a repeat of that, our first verse, but leads into a different angle again. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Even the pagans have these issues. The pagans are running after these things. But you are not a pagan. You have a God who loves you, who is aware of your needs. So instead of acting 
like pagans, Jesus says to us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God is of first importance. It should be your first thought rather than issues of food and clothing. The kingdom of God is not among a competing claims for our attention, but becomes front and central. Seeing God's reign and rule come into our lives and then come into our society's life through us. And even as you walk in that faith, all these things that the pagans worry about, Jesus says, they will be added to you. We have an extravagant, generous God who knows our needs and adds things to us. Particularly when we don't deserve it. It's a win-win situation. Now in conclusion, if all this is true, our third do not worry. Worry is always in the future because there are so many unknowns ahead of us. And Jesus says, let tomorrow worry. You live in today. You live in today. I recall a a story that John shared, John Parker shared a few years ago. Um, Apparently, he was a very anxious child. And he said to his mother once, or his mother would say to him, don't worry, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Now, even as an infant, John thought, that that statement showed a lack, a great lack of imagination. (laughs) Because he could think what could go wrong. There is enough trouble in each day. And as Christians, we are not immune from that. We don't become Christians and then everything is smooth, everything happens the way we want it to. We have life's ups and downs. But rather, we have a different focus. Our focus is on God. Our focus is on Jesus. And he can, we can make us think differently. That we are to meet those troubles with the faith that God has given us. So over the last few months, I've been thinking about this as a topic. And as often... <clears throat> God tests you on some of this. So I've got a story to tell you. Are you sitting comfortably? So, before we went on our summer holiday, I thought I'd get the car battery checked because I was concerned there were some issues. So you take it to the garage and the man puts the whatever sensors in for the battery. And he said to me, well, you know how they do this... You know you're in trouble when they start that. And he said, well, the battery is on its way out. It's, it's not great. It's not charging well. And then the alternator isn't properly charging the battery. There's a problem with the alternator as well. Now, of course, being sensible, I said, that's fine. Give me a new battery. Give me a new alternator. And our holiday will be smoothly running. I didn't do that. Like in Egypt, 
because I knew we were going all the way to France, I thought to myself, I'll be fine. A long journey. That will charge the battery up. (laughs) Yes. So, a week later, uh, my wife gets in the car to start it, and it's dead. Doesn't start. So then she, she comes upstairs and says to me, Ian, the car won't start. Could you have a go? As if I am going to be able to turn the key differently <laughs> to get the car started. Never quite worked that one out. But totally dead, clearly a battery issue. So we phone up the, the recovery place. Fortunately, we did have Homestart, a part of our insurance. And I thought to myself, well, they, they carry spare batteries. They'll be able to provide a spare battery. But it's the alternator as well. Uh, I need to sort out an alternator. So I phoned up the garage that we use. Uh, we've used them for decades, I suppose. Local, local garage in Durham. And I said, yeah, we need an alternator for the car. Yes, yes, it's fine, yeah. Um, we'll book you in for, for two weeks' time. Um... And I almost went back to like a six-year-old with, but it's my holiday. (laughs) I'm going away next Monday. This was Tuesday. I'm going next Monday. It's my holiday and it's all booked and deposits and I'm looking forward to my holiday. (sighs) She wasn't very helpful. (laughs) Sorry, we can't put you in. Okay. Second garage, same problem. Third garage, we can't put it in that quickly. Fourth garage, well, I think technically I'm still waiting for a phone call back from the fourth garage. (laughs) At this stage, I began to assess my options. I could hire a car. And I don't know about you, I've sensed over the years that people hire, hire cars, it's not that expensive. I, I, I sense they're trying to advertise all the prices. They haven't. <laughs> oh, it was very expensive to hire a car. I could borrow a car of someone. <laughs> My family. <laughs> so I was going through people that, well, they can't, they But there was some, someone I thought, oh, I could ask them to lend me a car. And as I told them the story, after the event, they said, oh, yes, we would lent you a car. <laughs> the fifth garage didn't give me any joy. The sixth garage just laughed. <laughs> the seventh garage, a place out in Sacriston, said yes. I could book it in on the Thursday. So if you ever need an alternator in a worry, I can put you in touch with the right garage. Now, all through this, fighting the nausea that was coming up from here, because I'd been living in this story, back of my mind... I had this amazing piece, and I had this phrase of, I wonder how Jesus is going to resolve this issue for me. 
I wonder how Jesus is get out, <laughs> going to get me out of this fix of my own stupidity <laughs> of not getting it fixed in the first place. Friends, he did. The, the guy came, um, he replaced the battery, and he checked all the stuff, and he said there was no problem with the alternator. So I thanked very profusely the garage in Sacriston, cancelled our booking with them, but we got away on our holiday and the car was absolutely fine. But it was that sense of how's Jesus going to sort this out? Uh, he gave me a peace in that situation, even while fighting. <laughs> oh no, what the family going to think, that sort of stuff. And I want to finish by, by focusing afresh on Jesus. He, he has spoken to us through this passage. His words are true to us now. Today marks 50 days until Christmas. I, I expected a mixed response. It's okay. For some people's anxiety levels have just gone up. And for other people's they're rejoicing. But it's 50 days till Christmas. And we have Christmas because we're celebrating Jesus coming to earth. God coming to earth. God becoming man. He didn't cease being God, but rather clothed himself, masked himself within a human form. He became, came to earth and he was fully human and fully man. Get your head around that. It leads me, but it leads me to worship. <laughs> he lived a sinless life. He preached the kingdom of God has come. He was obedient to the Father's will, even unto death. And in that death, he paid the penalty for our sins. But death could not hold him because he had no sin. He was raised to life again, the resurrection. He was seen by many people over a 40-day period, but he was still restricted in time and space. He could only be in one place at one time. He then went back to heaven, the ascension, still fully man, fully God, and as Christians, we are unable to visit a shrine or a mausoleum where his body lays and worship there. There is no mausoleum because Jesus is not dead. Amen. He is alive, reigning and ruling in heaven. And the words he speaks in the Bible to us now are still active and powerful and efficient for us to experience today. But him being away from us is an issue. So in their wisdom, the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit to be with us here and now. He told his followers to wait. Wait here for another helper. And they waited and Pentecost comes. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. The Holy Spirit empowers us in our witness proves our adoption, assures us of his love, brings gifts and fruit to us, and enables us to live a righteous life. And through the Holy Spirit, God can be everywhere with each person and minister 
and affect each person powerfully. And at this church, we believe that is vital. And we do all we can to cultivate that relationship as it is the Spirit himself who reveals Jesus to us. The Spirit himself who gives us gifts for us to be part of that revolution that Jesus started. There was the first Pentecost, but we can all have our own Pentecost time over and over again. Now I said at the beginning that I felt a fresh connection with Jesus over this season. And there have been a few books that I've written that have really helped... Uh, written. I've read. <laughs> a few books that I've read that have really assisted in that. But, but one thing that has particularly helped, um, which you've already heard about, is The Chosen. And um, that has been so helpful to see the humanity and the compassion of Jesus afresh. And we've been uh, showing this on a Sunday evening, or Sunday afternoon here, for, for the last few weeks. We've, I think we've watched three of the episodes now. We've got the fourth one this afternoon. And I just want to do a fresh invitation. Some of you may have seen The Chosen already, and it's great to gather as, as uh, friends together to watch it again, and, and we've got people in that group who are doing that. But some people are seeing it for the first time. Um, and just have that insight um, into that. And it helps, helps you understand a little bit more. Now, there are caveats. So at the end, when we watch the video, we then have a public reading of the scriptures that were, that were featured in the video so that we know what the, true, what the true Bible is saying on some of these issues rather than the imagination of some others. But if you're interested uh, in coming along to that, please feel free to, uh, this afternoon from five and then ongoing as we go through this term as well. I wonder if the music group could, uh, could come up. I just want to finish now. Um, Jesus, Jesus does not want you to worry. Three times. Three times he says that in that short passage and the Sermon on the Mount. He doesn't want you to be bowed down. He doesn't want you to be weighted down with worry. Why? Because he knows our hearts. He knows how it's so natural for us to end up worrying and it clogs us up. He wants us to be free. He knows how we might worries gnaw away at us, sapping our strength, sapping our focus. But he wants to release and rescue us from all that hassle so that we have the energy to focus on what is truly important. Seek first the kingdom of God and he will add these other things to you. But perhaps the common response from some people might be, well, that's for someone else. They're a, real, they're a real worrier. person next to me, they really worry. They really need to hear this message. It's for you, my friend. It's for you. You might say, well, I've tried it before and it didn't work. Didn't it? Have a think back. What actually happened? We have a God that we can trust in. We have a God who is faithful and secure. Now, I don't want to minimise the pressures that you may be living under. I'm not trying to belittle that this morning. I know many of your stories. But I do want to draw you into the heart of 
of Jesus and to hear his words for you this morning. He is the all-compassionate one. He is the all-loving one. He is the all-powerful one. And these words, his words, are sufficient. It's not that your issue is so difficult that there's some secret extra teaching that the church has lost over the last 2,000 years. This teaching is sufficient to meet you whatever you are facing in the 21st century. Seek first the kingdom of God. What we're going to do now is we're going to seek the king. (laughs) We're going to come and seek the king in our worship. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to release gifts amongst us to help us in our next step of ministry. That they're going to be prophetic words, they're going to be words of knowledge released, um, to help us bring that kingdom of God into our own hearts and minds. So as we seek the king, we see the kingdom of God coming, the reign and rule to come into our hearts and minds. We want to be open to him and worship this great Jesus together. Amen.